We're monsters. <laughs> we're marathoners. We're living our best <laughs> life. <clears throat> okay, we are rolling. Actually, my ears plug. Wait a sec. Okay. <laughs> do you do the trick of like you bend your your face down and then you swallow or whatever? No, I never tried that. Someone told me to do that once, like if you're on an airplane and your ears are popping. I don't know if that's. Wait, now I gotta sneeze. Oh. Never mind, no, I don't. <laughs> okay. okay, we've been recording for 30 seconds. Let's do this. We're so professional, Austin. We're so <laughs> professional. This is prime Patreon content, just 30-second clips of our intros. <laughs> truly, truly. Um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. <laughs> You're off to get your second shot today. Yes, I am. Like, what a party. Just picture, like, confetti raining down, because that's what it feels like. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited about that. What are you up to? How are you doing? I just got my second shot, second shot last week. Woo! And I felt terrible after, but oh. I'm feeling powerful now. <laughs> okay, good. You know what that reminds me of? Um, in Scott Pilgrim, where the one ex-boyfriend is vegan, and he's like, I have superpowers. I'm not just like regular guys. I'm vegan. <laughs> and he just like goes off and he's got like super strength or whatever. <laughs> Once you were vegan, now you are be gone. Oh, yes. Vegan. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to our Scott Pilgrim podcast. Truly. Um, no, but hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we're so excited because this week we get to do a book club episode with one of our favorite accounts and podcasts to follow. Um, we got to chat with Lady Billy Day from the History You Actually Wanted to Know podcast. Um, I totally nerded out over this episode because... Lady Billy is a huge history buff, just like I am, so. Yes. It was truly like a moment of, um, is my title as BFF being usurped? <laughs> <laughs> like, hearing Austin and, and Lady Billy Day talk about, like, all this stuff, I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> and it was just awesome. So it was a really fun time. And, yeah. We kind of did this episode in two halves. We did the first half live on Instagram. Yes, we did. So it's going to be kind of recycling the audio from that. And then we sat down just to talk more generally with Billy afterwards, which will be the second half of the episode. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, we were super excited. We talked about The Tattooist of Auschwitz, uh, which is a super heavy but really important book. And um, yeah, we hope you enjoy. We definitely did. Yeah, before we get into it, just everybody go check out Lady Billy Day's podcast, History Actually Wanted to Know. I'll put the link in the description for this week. Amazing. Okay, enjoy, everyone. Oh, there we oh, go. Oh my gosh, it worked. Sorry, I was getting locked out. Hi, guys. I'm so happy. Okay, great. I'm so happy it worked. I was really getting nervous there in the waiting room. I was like, oh, I'm part of this, <laughs> well, this club. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to start. I feel like I haven't been to like an actual like book club, book club meeting, like face to face in a while. Like I am part of one, but like it's been hard in the pandemic to keep like track of everything. So this right. is like really fun. I know. I haven't, since before the pandemic, I haven't like had like a book club. So this is nice. Oh. Really nice. Yeah. It's good because I feel like I need emotional support after reading what we read. <laughs> I, like, I know. I'm just so excited to hear you guys' thoughts and everything. So this is good. 
Um, so I guess we can start. And I guess for those joining in, um, we have read The Tattooist of Auschwitz. Um, we're going to go over our thoughts, um, have some discussion questions. If you guys have any thoughts, you can, I guess, drop it below, whatever. Um, like Austin said, we're both, all three of us are extremely old and we're dinosaurs. <laughs> and we don't know how to... <laughs> yeah. We don't there are some I gave a disclaimer already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we are, we're all old and we don't really know how to use technology. So yeah. Especially me. So um, I guess if we want to just jump into it, the first question that I had, um, and keep in mind, Austin, that I just got these questions from Google. Whoa. <laughs> um, Lale is compared to a cat with nine lives. Of all of his escapes from death, which was the most memorable to you? I think. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you, you you go ahead. Uh, I was thinking that um, when he finally got out of the camp, yeah. and he like met those Russian dudes or whatever, and he's just like getting these girls to I don't want to call them like hoes or whatever, <laughs> but basically to, like <laughs> to come into this mansion, um, and then he just does he get on his bike and just dip off. I just thought that was so simple after experiencing all that stuff in the camp to just hop on a bike and leave. I just thought that was the most memorable part for me because if he had decided, yeah, I'm going to cut a hole in this this fence where I'm going to make this miraculous escape, that would have been awesome. But just getting off and escaping from a Russian house with like hose is just hilarious to me. <laughs> I Apparently for me, it was the part when they found his stash of jewelry and stuff hiding under his bed. Yes. yes. They sent him off to the, the one part of the camp where nobody ever comes back from. Um, I feel like the whole time I was just like holding my breath, like, especially like, just because there were so many times at the camp where like he was doing something and it was like, you know, someone just walked by or like someone just did that. And I think like, I mean, Billy and I were talking about this before, like, it's like the perpetual state of not knowing like what's mm -hmm. going to happen to you, you know, it's not going to be good, but like just that like constant state would be so debilitating. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, this book was a bit hard to get through at times because, I mean, obviously, like, look at the three of us. This is what we chose for our book club to <laughs> like, have a fun chat about. Um, so, like, I knew going into it, it was going to be really hard to read. But, like, that really stuck out with me because, like, the smallest thing, like, the smallest thing could happen. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, I would feel sick to my stomach because yes. I was like, is this it? Like, is this it? And, like, that constant, like, thing was just, like, building up. So you're right. Like, at the end when he, like, like left that house, I was like, that's like one of the tiniest things but if that was the thing that like was the final straw I would be like oh my god like yeah it was just constant the whole book like it was really really and I think like the author captured that really well mm -hmm. and something else yeah the end part with his brush took really by surprise because he finally makes it out of all the you think he's out of all the danger and then he just gets right back into it again yeah um I don't know what book we're gonna read next <laughs> That is a good so many good ones. <laughs> Maybe one that's not filled with death and, and sadness. <laughs> Maybe one that's like happy. <laughs> yeah. Because and the reason why I felt like this book was extra sad was because um, I actually hate audiobooks. I can't stand them. Oh, no. But I had this one in my Audible, mm -hmm. and I had never listened to it coincidentally, and the, it was so extra sad because there were the voice actors, and it was just like, oh no. Or something awful would happen in the book and like the, the person reading would just 
<sighs> I, I, for this book, I'm kind of happy I had an audio book because you could hear all the the stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this book was just... But um, if you guys... I can go to the next question. Oh, yeah. Um, Lale talks about the young women of the camp. He knows that they will never grow up to be the women they meant to be. They were meant to be. Do you agree or disagree with this analysis? Well, thinking. That is a very, that's a very like philosophical question. I have to say I agree with it though, because obviously that's a whole generation of lives that were uprooted and destroyed completely. And then they never got the chance to reach their full potential, especially like they're really like kids and the young women and stuff. Um, I also, I'm going to agree, mainly because even though the people who survived, they still, like, led normal lives. Like, they're suffering from PTSD, they're suffering from, like, I'm sure nightmares, like, reliving these. You can never reach your full potential when you, and this is the 40s, like, nobody's going to get diagnosed with PTSD or whatever. So -hmm. you're not going to reach your full potential because you're stuck with and you have literally no closure about anything that happened either so i, I mean i don't think they'd ever be able to reach the women they were supposed to be that's one thing that's good to me about the book sorry oh no go we're all like so excited we keep like going into it <laughs> i know I, I think you're right like i i i just wanted to say like yeah the, the mass trauma of it all obviously that's why we still talk about it and like this was not long ago which is really disturbing i mean like disturbing things are happening every day right now too so it's kind of easy to see like that as a mirror. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like that's a that's a mass trauma that you don't really get through. Or if you do, which is awesome, like it still has an, a lasting impact, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one of the to the book for me is a bunch of like, a lot of the things don't have closure, like the end of Beretsky's story and the end of Soka's story, it's all kind of told in the epilogue. Uh, yeah. I found kind of off-putting on a storytelling perspective, but in real life, this is how it would have been for the people who had been in the camps. Like, they wouldn't have known all these things would have happened. Which is Mm -hmm. messed up. Like, Mm -hmm. that's, like, it's the lack of closure. It's, like, exactly what Billy said. Like, it's just there, and that's, like, the heartbreaking aspect of it, probably. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not good. And speaking of lack of closure, what about, um, I'm sure I'm saying his name, like, Pepin? Yes. or whatever. I was just thinking like, Like, the part about him, I was thinking at least at the end of the book, maybe they would find out like, oh, he was he was gassed or he escaped yeah. or or something, and it was just nothing. And I was like, no, he's the reason why Lale's alive or is living this successful life in the camp, and he's just nothing. He's nobody, and it's like that was just mind blowing to me. I couldn't. I know. Ah! It was awful. Like I, I think like so many different stories that you hear about like the camps and everything like that there are so many random acts of kindness or so many people who stepped in to save the day and then when that trail goes cold and you don't know what happened to them like I think that's the most disturbing thing too because I think it's hard to imagine in an age where like we're all so connected like you can find anyone on social media you can like text anyone at any kind of day time of day I mean and like in this case like there's nothing so the trail goes cold and like you still have people like 80 years later like asking genealogists to track down people that like you may never have an answer like about what happened to them which is yeah which is nuts yeah it's crazy crazy. (sighs) my next question is the book 
makes clear that there were also non-Jewish prisoners in the camp. How did the treatment of Jews differ from that of non-Jews? How did the difference manifest itself? I found that part of the book really interesting because I wasn't wholly aware of non-Jewish involvement in the camps, like workforces and stuff. So I found it, I found that as an interesting insight of how they were treated a lot better. They were actually like paid wages, more or less, just because they weren't Jewish. Yeah, I and, was, oh, good. No, no, you go, you go. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting um, about, I think it was the, the gypsies that were in the camp. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Boreski says something along the lines like the only people that are worse than you or, or something like that. And that as soon as the gypsies or that one part in the book where the gypsies were just gone, like they yeah. killed all of them. And it's like, yeah, they did that to the Jews too. Yeah. And oh, you know, that reminds me of shameless plug here. I have an episode in my podcast about um, Jehovah's Witnesses and the Holocaust and how you can't put um, limits on other people's hurt or other people's experience. And I thought about that, like, oh, I would rather be this type of person in the camp because they didn't get this. Or I thought about how, yeah, the Jews were killed off, but the gypsies were like, there was nothing for them. There was no like safety net for them. They were just gone. And I thought there was such a difference between the people who actually came in and got paid, like Austin was saying, and then the people who had no choice and they were just dead. like. That's crazy. I know. I was thinking too, like, at one part in the book, they talk about how everyone has, like, a different sign on their, like, uniforms. And that really stuck with me too, because I always picture, like, the Star of David in, like, Holocaust stories where people, like, have that on their chest if they're Jewish. And, like, the different stories about, like, oh, like, when the Russian Jews came to camp, it was different. And then there was, like, a hierarchy, and it was very much, like, they were getting pitted against each other, and, like, the constant, like, fracturing of like different identities just made it like this thing of like oh who's better because of what and it was just so like sad to see it broken down that way but it's so true like I feel like there's so many victims of this one event that we don't always talk about which like it's like so horrendous that like it's hard to tell but like I feel like there was only like one or two lines in like history books where it was like oh yeah they started with people who didn't agree with them then they went to people with like disabilities then they went to and it was just like this constant like combing through of like people who like you're not like us okay here you go and it was just like really sad and and brutal to see so it was another hard part of the book to read through right and you know what that reminds me of um i don't think i have it in one of my questions but joseph Linkelub. and the reason why i thought about that was um what you mentioned like people being different from us oh oh thank you for the heart um the reason why I thought about that was because differences and one lady that stuck out to me the most um she's not in the books she's like an actual real person like everybody in the books a real person but her name was like Eva or something like that she and her sister were twins that went into the camp and even in the book it was mentioned that Joseph Mangala loved twins yeah so he started experimenting on them immediately Uh, and they get like crazy sick this that and the third and one of the the twins gets like so sick that she almost dies in the camp and when they finally get out she gets to her 40s and just dies and when they have like the the autopsy trying to figure out nobody knows what she died from but that her insides did not look like how other people's insides should look so it was just like joseph mingle had literally destroyed these people 
even after, even if you want to get closure, you want to deal with this PTSD, how can you when yeah. this person has literally destroyed yourself, you know, your body? Yeah. That's what I had thought about. And it's not in one of my questions, but just how Joseph Mangala was walking around the camp and how he was Ugh. depicted. It's just like, go. Yeah. In my opinion, Mengele is probably is probably like the most horrific figure ever in history. Of all the like the appalling things he did. And the worst thing is he got away with it too in the end. Mm-hmm. Like he survived until the seventies and escaped I think it was Argentina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just when you think about it, like how how much peer pressure and how much uh, an idea can make you do things like that. Yeah. Because it, and we all, I'm sure we, we would all say to ourselves, like, I'd never be a Joseph Mangle, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. yeah, you probably won't be, but I'm sure he never thought he was going to be a monster. No. And so it happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. just nuts. It's nuts. I know. Yeah, he was an oh. absolute monster. Those I don't know if you've seen Billy Mangle. Has a has a son who's still alive today. I think he was around two at the end of the war. Uh-huh. It's interesting to hear his perspective on the monster that his father was, because obviously he thinks he was a terrible person. I don't think he ever met him or anything, because he fled, I think, before he got the chance to know him. But it's a really interesting insight to one of the biggest monsters of history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did he say any, like, was there anything, like, the biggest takeaway that his son would have had from his father, like, learning the things his father did, or just like, oh, my dad sucks, or... I can't remember exactly. I remember, I think he did an interview or something, a couple... A couple of years back, I was looking into it, just researching the book. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. How do you, like, how do you even deal with that? I always wonder about, like, the families of, like, serial killers or, like, famous figures like that. Like, that's, like, this guy was, like, the angel of death. Like, he would wander around looking for people to experiment on. How do you even, like, fathom that as a child? That's so scary. You know what I, that is making me think of? Yeah. Again, this has nothing to do with the book. But, um... You guys are in Canada, we're in the U.S., and in the U.S., we're known for nothing but just mass shootings, which is, like, that's literally all we're known for. It's true. But I was thinking about, I have read a book about the Columbine killers, and Um, they, like, if you don't know who that is, they, like, one of the first school shooters in the 90s, and his mom writes a book about how it felt to have this person be your son you know and she's dealing with this conflict between like this is my baby like I didn't see this at all this is my child but at the same time I gave birth to this monster this horrible person and like you have this internal conflict about I love you but you're awful like what do I do and that's what that's what that made me think of just this conflict you have with yourself wow yeah I want to read that now that would be it's my listen. favorite book. It's called Her The Mother's kid. Marketing. Okay. I'm definitely trying it then. <laughs> it's actually it's really good actually. Okay, I'm gonna try it. Um yeah, it's it's crazy. Um okay. Inmates in the concentration camp had to make life and death decisions every day. Why did some make the right decisions and survive while others did not? That's a hard one. I feel like there's no right decision when you're like in the face of like just like the worst possible scenario I think we kind of saw that like obviously not at the same scale but like in the beginning of COVID like decision making was so hard like because you just didn't know you didn't know what was next or what was going to happen and I think like in the case of this like you could make every right step and then someone could change the rules that day and then you would just be gone and that's like insane so I, I don't know 
Austin, what do you think? Yeah, I think there was really no way to preserve like your dignity or your your right to decide your own fate in the camps, really. Like you can do your best to try and play by the rules, like you said, but it can change at any minute. Yeah. Or like if you go for a walk this day and yeah, or you go for a walk that day, like every decision that you make plays a part into whether or not you'll survive or not. And, or, or sharing food or, or not sharing food. Well, this the soccer game food. part of the book was a really good example of that. Yeah, that's so right. true. Right. I, I thought about that as well when they were doing the soccer match. I was like, oh, even though it's kind of sadistic, they at least get a little fun. They can yeah. do something. But then it's like, it's not a, it's a game within a game, actually. Because yeah. you can play the soccer game, but if you win... You risk your life, you risk everybody else's life because egos are fragile. So it's like any decision. And Lolly was smart to to think about that, like lose the game, lose the game, but make it look good, but lose the game. And it's it's decisions like that, split second decisions that are are what's going to make or break you. Yeah, which is nuts. Like you're right, that, Mm -hmm. that captures the politics of it all so well. Like, so what happens is in the book, the SS officers, the Nazis want to play like a soccer game. So Lolly has to go and round up Jewish men or like different, you know, religions or whatever. But um, there's like professional sports players from like Russia or like, like Serbia or different countries. And they're all so excited because they finally get to do something that like they have been paid for. They're like renowned for, and they can't even do that. And, like, the one guy gets so mad. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm going to wipe the floor with those guys. And Lolly's like, not if you want to live. Like, you won't. And that's so heartbreaking. Like, so many things of that. Like, it's a tragedy when it happens to anyone. But if you think of, like, the talent and, like, all the, like, phenomenal people who were there and, like, couldn't do what they wanted to do anymore, that's so sad. Like, it was just so hard to read that. Yeah, definitely. I, the great loss of life, but also the great loss of potential is yes. also worse. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's so true. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Soka? She isn't mentioned as often as other characters are, but when she is mentioned, Lale regards her as a hero. Do you agree or disagree? And I think before we answer the question, I, I think it was good what you did, like kind of explaining, because so for those who have not read the book, um, Soka is also a prisoner in the camp, but she's almost like a, a sex slave, for back, lack of a better word. Yeah. Like she's just, she's with the SS officer who's there, and I Googled him. Uh, it doesn't What's mention anything about Soka, but. Oh God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It doesn't mention anything about Soka there, but she was literally, that's what her job was, like she was a companion to this man. Yeah. So she wasn't mentioned as much as everybody else, but how is her journey heroic as opposed to somebody else? I personally didn't find a lot of depth depth to Soka. I just found her more of like a plot device to move Lale's story along more than her own self-contained story. Like she could have had a whole book to herself probably. And I know the focus of the book was on Lale, mm-hmm. but Billy and I just got so excited. We're like, there is a sequel. <laughs> like, that's there is. Oh, okay. like, yeah. It's all about Soka. Yeah. So, I, I retract that statement. <laughs> <laughs> we were like so excited in the bottom squares in my, in my screen. We were like, oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. With Soka, even like doing, I haven't read the book, but I, I did some research on her. Like, hey, what happened to her? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
But did you guys, after the book, Soka, she goes to a Russian prison camp. She goes to like a gulag because um, they thought that she was working with the Nazis. But she's like, "Um, no, I'm not. I'm a prisoner here or whatever. But she's like in a Russian prison camp in like Serbia for years. I mean, she meets her husband and everything. They eventually live out life. But how does she's a prisoner too and i guess that also plays into the note that sometimes um societies don't value or understand that a woman's rights consent hello yeah like just because she wasn't like screaming bloody murder or maybe she was she wasn't screaming bloody murder like i don't want this it's still not consent and maybe because she wasn't doing that they thought to themselves that oh you know she's complicit and i think the reason why Lale had said she was heroic, and I understand what Austin means about like, oh, she's just another part of the story. I get that. I do. I think she was heroic because of the stuff she did for Lale because of her yeah. position. Yes. Because um, she didn't have to do that. She didn't, because that's a risk in itself because he could have been like, girl, you're just here to be here. Don't yeah. ask me for anything. Yeah. And that was a risk she took. But I, I do understand like the whole plot. Like, if she didn't have a sequel, I would have been like, Right. I don't I mean your story's sad, but I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> like it was like a one note thing, but like I definitely agree with what you're saying because like I think that in itself is almost a form of victim blaming because there's no way just because you don't like protest, you can't. Like we've already seen that. Like they would kill you if you looked at someone the wrong way. Like it's just it's kinda like sucky to hear stories of that. Like even in the epilogue, like Lale and Gita's son like talks about the fact that like Lale was afraid of being perceived as like a sympathizer because of his job as like a tattooist. Um, so the whole book revolves around that. It, sorry, we should have mentioned that maybe, but he's the tattooist. So <laughs> when people like came in to the camps, they would um, oftentimes get tattooed with a number, which is really disturbing. But someone had to do that job and the SS officers were not. So they made Lale do it. Um, and I think you can safely say that they made him do that because that's not something you can really say no to like if you're in that position like there's nothing you can do so I think that's like a really interesting thing as well because like I mean you guys might know more than me because you guys are the historic historical buffs in this chat (laughs) but like the afterwards of like you know like tracking down all the Nazis and putting them on trial like all this stuff like it's like okay we should have been doing that way harder in the beginning first of all and second of all like why were other people being sent to prison camps in Russia when like they weren't really supposed to be like it's just a little bit like foggy to me so I'd kind of like to like read more books about that and see like if I could kind of understand I think a lot of the the narrative of World War II sees the Russians as a heroic force or allying with like the states and Great Britain and I think this is good at shedding light that they did just as bad things as the Nazis did. Yeah. Like yeah. the the general thought it's just because they were against the Nazis that they were the good guys, but they really weren't the good guys. Right, right. And I that see that really all the time. Like, oh, the, the Russians were part of the allies. And I'm yeah. like, all right, cool. But that's so <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Why? I think about the U.S. like that as well. Because the U.S., um, I think they started the concentration camps as early as like 1935 or 36 or something like that. Right. The U.S. knew what was going on even mm. in 1935. Yeah. 
and did nothing. And the only reason they got involved was like Pearl Harbor or something. Yeah. But it's, it's like I'm I'm putting the U.S. in that Russian circle as well because if it was, if it was me and I know this massive genocide is going on. Yeah. I'm going over there, but there's also this thing like when genocide happens to people who aren't desirable because Jewish people weren't desirable literally anywhere. Yeah. If you're not desirable, it's like yeah, all right. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm booking the putting the U.S. in that little boat because they suck too. I think we can put everyone in that boat, honestly. Let's put everybody in there. You know what? Like, the anti-Semitism, like, it's obviously still happening. It's still, like, a thing that we need to work to fix. And, like, everyone took a little bit. Like, there's no way that this happened overnight and all of a sudden all the allies were like, oh, yeah, like, we're going to head over. Let's go liberate. Like, Like, no. And that's, like, something that, you know, like, it's it's so hard because sometimes you read stories about, like, Canadian or like American groups that would go over and like they would be fighting for this but then like they would go home and there's still anti-Semitic behaviors at home Mm -hmm. and it's like totally those things of like wow like you know like how do you justify that in moving forward like it's such a complex issue it's just like a fascinating time of history I don't know it's so it's so fraught with like all these different like mentalities and goals at the same time it's Mm -hmm. wild I agree. I agree. And uh, I think you said you wanted to keep this a half an hour, but I have one more Let's do it. question. I'm so excited. This is so fun. I know. Like the game show. Oh. <laughs> Had Gita and Lale met in a more conventional way, but they have developed the same kind of relationships. Ooh. Relationship. How did the circumstances change the course of their romance? <laughs> It's hard to answer what if questions like this. I'd like to think that it was possible that they would have the same kind of relationship, but if not for the games, they might not have even run into each other. So it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. That's true. I was saying to Sophia before, if this hadn't, hadn't actually happened, I would have thought there was no way like all these conveniences would have happened. Like there's no <laughs> way you would have found her after they both escaped the camp and no way they would have been able to see each other to such an extent without like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know why I think, I think that they're, I say yes or no to this question. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say no, because like, like Austin said, like you guys would have never maybe even liked one another had the, had you guys not shared this traumatic experience. Yeah. But on the other hand, you remember when um, Lale and Gita, they like have sex or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, I haven't taken a bath in like 48 years. I don't have any hair. I'm hideous. And he's like, I don't care, you know, yeah. sex. But at the same time, in other parts of the book, he's like, I love women no matter what. I don't care yeah. if they're ugly. I don't care if they're pretty. I don't care whatever. I just love women. And I thought about that. I was like, maybe he really did, like, really like Gita, even though she had not taken a bath for 48 years and she had no hair and, and all that kind of stuff. So I really don't know. But if the circumstances hadn't happened, who, oh, thank you. These are a little hard to do with <laughs> But had they not met and, and shared this traumatic experience, yeah. Who knows? I would agree. I think like that's a that's a binding experience and like if you're thrust into that situation, like no one can really understand something so intense like that unless like they were really there. You can still love someone who hasn't, but like I think that's like a really important part and that's why like stories like this book are so, you know, powerful because you're like you do want to see like a happy ending come out of something so horrendous. You know what I mean? And so like like Austin said, like, if this happened in a book, 
and like all these things worked together and the stars aligned and like they escaped concentration camps and escaped all these other things and they finally ended up together I would be like wow like that I don't know if I believe that but the fact that it happened in real life is like super powerful and like mm. I think that's one of the things we hold on to um just because like there's so much tragedy so it's nice to see like one thing work out yeah I agree yeah this is so fun. Thank you for all the I questions. Know. I'm so happy. Yeah, thank you. No, yeah. thank Google for these questions because <laughs> it was the way I, they I were delivered. Know. It was the way they were <laughs> delivered. <laughs> we'll pick a more uplifting book next time. Yes, yeah. we will because this is super sad. But I'm happy that we read it because yes. I was sitting in my Audible and I just was not like even looking at it. But I'm happy that I read it because it did have some good parts. Yes. Um, and I know this is going to be bad to say, but out of all of the characters in the book. I really like, um, I'm going to say his name wrong, Barshevsky, whatever. And the reason why I liked him. Boretsky. Boretsky, thank you. And the reason why I liked him was he was an awful person, just awful. Yeah. But sometimes he would say things that were just so funny that I would just be like, well, it's like the absurdity. It was just absurd. It was absolutely absurd. Like, like trying to get this. Oh, when Lale was like, "Oh, maybe you should get this girl like flowers or something." Yes. you know, like right. treat her decently. He was like, "No, <laughs> why would I do that?" And I was just like, <laughs> "I also read the audiobook. I listened to the audio version of the book, and they for the character Bereski, he used the most like snide, obnoxious <laughs> voice, which I found yes. perfect for the character." Yeah, and that's probably why I liked it. I liked him because the the character, the reading for it. And just hearing the, the 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 reader say the stuff, I was just like, "Oh, you suck." Had Lala <laughs> and him met under under other circumstances, yeah, I think that could have been like a cool friendship. Yeah, maybe other circumstances because sometimes he would say stuff and then Lala would say something back, and I was like, like "Oh, yeah. this this banter would have been hilarious had you not been like you were a sociopath, right? Yeah. Had you not been a sociopath." <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so true yeah. like I was thinking about that too because it's like I think the absurdity of it all and like also the fact that like it shows how good of a person Lale is because obviously like this is a real person who is telling the author this story for this book and the fact that he had like the grace to be like he he wasn't like completely evil he was just misguided like that was kind of the attitude I got and like imagine the strength of a person who couldn't like stand and say he was just misguided and yeah. you're like this person was a murderer like and like a racist and like all this other stuff and he just like totally rose above it and was like you know what I mean like that's insane to me I, I couldn't imagine it mm-hmm. I agree I give the book a solid 8.35 out of 10 that's good <laughs> it was a really really good book it was um I encourage everybody to read it, for real. Same. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say, like, eight stars, just because mm-hmm. it was it was really hard to get through, but it was really important. And, like, once you hit that mark, like, you're just so in love with the characters. You just want them all to be fine. And it's, like, it's really powerful. It's kind of like Grey's Anatomy, where, like, yes. you love somebody. <laughs> and then I try not to get too attached to anybody, because I really thought Gita was going to like I didn't think Gita was gonna make it so I was like let me just say whatever to Gita in case you know they yeah. break her from me but yeah this is like a Grayson had to me times 10 totally <laughs> yeah all right Austin what's your rating 
personally for me, a lot of the romance plot drags. <laughs> a lot kind of like, especially in the first half of the book, I just found it. It took away from the danger of the camp. Yes, that's fair. Yes, that's fair. I, I get that in real life, this all happened. Like they ended up together and they met in the camp, but I just didn't really like the way it was integrated into the book personally. Like it, it was kind of like its own little. Well, obviously, it was on its own little plot, but yeah, I found it kind of took away. So I give it like a, a seven point three out of ten. <laughs> That's decent. I agree. I agree one hundred percent with that. Like I, I'm down with a good love story, but I just felt like it. It was. It should have been mentioned because it was real and it happened. But it also took away from like the severity of what was going on too. I guess. So like, oh, people are dying over there in that smokehouse. Let's go lay in the flowers. Let's just go yeah. sit in some, some grass. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was a good book. I, I liked it a lot. So thank you, guys. Oh my God, thank you. Again, honestly, all day. My brother's been in and out of here. And I'm like, just get the, get the app. <laughs> Okay, so. Ooh. Oh, boy. Oh. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Fancy. Oh, I look bold. <laughs> I think. <laughs> don't worry, it cuts off things. Okay. I feel like we're in ancient Rome or something. Oh, I'm thinking like, like <laughs> the amphitheater. Should I, I put like... my toga on? Yes. Oh, my. <laughs> I went to go, um, when we were about to go uh, record this episode so I was gone because I wanted to go like take off my clothes and go take off my makeup and stuff and like you know dress down and my husband was like are you gonna be on camera and I was like no of course not and then he was like yes you are it's Skype and I was like oh. <laughs> I had to like put on actual clothes look I'm in <laughs> it's summer we're living our best lives yeah <laughs> there's no judgment not on this call mm. okay so how do we um? Austin, is your is that your mom? Hi, mom. I don't think me, not on my end. Oh, that's, oh, that's my girlfriend on the phone talking in the background. <laughs> well, like, She's our girlfriend? our secret second guest for this week. <laughs> okay. 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 We're already recording. This. We're gonna do the clap anyway. Oh, I disappeared. Oh, you're good. It's like Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this like all month. We set aside like our time and then I was like, yes. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I tried to read the book and I was like, I just want to talk to her. I don't feel like reading right now. <laughs> I'm so happy. I was actually really excited because when you said, oh, let's do this like July 10th, I was sitting there like, can we do this tomorrow? Yes. <laughs> like, can we just <laughs> instant I feel like. Um, but how are you doing? What's up? I'm I'm great. I'm just um, we're sitting here. It's hot um, as it wants to be outside. We're in the middle of like a little heat thing. Um, so we're inside. The cicadas are gone. Mm-hmm. I don't think you guys have cicadas in Canada. We do. Oh, you guys do. Yeah. They're really loud. Oh. I hear you? Oh my god. They um <laughs> they stopped coming around like maybe two weeks ago, and I was like, thank God. So <laughs> we're free. Really I've actually heard any this year. Really? I heard mm. someone the other day. It was like, I feel like 
they're mostly like well I guess like I'm on the outskirts too I'm in a weird part of town where like there's cornfields on one side and like a subdivision on the other so I'm like exposed to nature I was gonna say I'm right in the middle of Waterland there's not a single tree within like two kilometers of here so <laughs> I just I, I, yeah it's kind of yeah it's the cicadas it's the heat I'm also um I'm taking like this free class from like Princeton or something and mm-hmm. it's greek and roman mythology so Whoa. i've been doing that i know but it's awesome it's awesome and it's like for the free 99 so i was like yeah perfect really mm-hmm. oh no look at us so, yeah, <laughs> look you can literally take classes like on anything so i was like i couldn't take all these classes in college so i'm gonna take them right now yes so awesome what a good pandemic activity mm-hmm. growth development we love it <laughs> So we covered that tattoos of Auschwitz in the first half of this episode. Yes. So I always want to talk to you, Billy, about things that you like, things you like to read, what your interests are. Yeah. So um, I started, what do I really like? I love historical fiction, obviously. It's my favorite. But I also love a good, like, romance novel a lot. So I have a ton of like romance novels. I'm like, my husband was just talking about it because um, I was like, oh, babe, we're, we're reading this tattoo of Auschwitz. And he was like, I don't read sad books. I mean, oh, he said, oh, I don't read happy books. And I was like, I was like what? And then he, I was like, this is literally the saddest book ever. And he was like, okay. But then he went through all of my books and there were nothing but like crappy love stories and stuff but yeah that's what I love to read I've always been like a really avid reader since like childhood so I just love reading anything and everything what are your favorite historical periods to read about Ooh, it could literally be anything like as long as let's do top top three top three um I'm gonna say um like the jazz era Nice. And like the 1920s, like America, yeah. jazz era is perfect. I love to read about um, Tudor England. I love books like that. Um, and I, I love, um, what other things do I love? I like to read about like the American South, like the slavery period, just like learning some more about that. But those, I think those would be like my top three things I like to read. I feel like you're the perfect guest for us because you cover like like the romance era and then like the twenties like flapper jazz thing for me and then Austin's mm-hmm. like, Oh, you're taking Roman and Greek history for fun? And he's like, Chess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um I like just to learn about as much as possible. So back in college my emphasis was on um Jewish sectarianism. Whoa. Which is like yeah, um, so uh, it's a funny story, actually. We're not talking about the tattooists at all, are we? <laughs> but that's fine. Who cares? Um, back in, in college, I really wanted to, since I couldn't major in what I wanted to do, I minored in what I really love. So I walked into, like, the history department, and I was like, find me something. And the the religious studies um, department head was like, oh, well, we only have Jewish people in our class. You know, we could use some diversity, wink, wink. And I was like, oh, they just want <laughs> some Black people in the class. <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. And I took it. It was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. She just, like, held me and made me her baby. And I, she was Jewish, so all we did was, like, Jewish stuff. So if you want random Jewish history facts, I got you. But, um, yeah, that's my love of books, love of history, all that kind of stuff. Nice. 
I mean, that's amazing. And kind of like what I wanted to talk about, we we jumped into it because we were so excited and we just finished like a, um, like a book club on Instagram live, which will be like threading with this episode, which is awesome. But I wanted to like delve into your podcast for a second because I'm obsessed with it as we know, like, can you, can you talk about like what started like how, like, obviously you're amazing and you love history. So it's an easy fix, but like what kind of sit down and be like, uh, I should do this. Like, so, okay, so it was the middle of quarantine and I wasn't working. So um, I was like, I have nothing to, to do anymore. This is the worst. And I was like, you know what? I I have, I would listen to um, Crime Junkie. I don't know if you listen to Crime Junkie. I, heard but I was that. listening to that and I was like, oh, it's awesome. And I was listening to it and I was like, you know what? I could do that, whatever. And then I started thinking about how much it takes to do a podcast. And I was like... No, no. <laughs> but my husband's really good friend he's like he does makes music and stuff so he helped me like figure out what, where I need to go and I was like let me just try it and see and then the reception ended up being like really really good and I was like okay let me do another episode and another episode in a season two and see where we go so that's how it kind of started off I really just did it because I was so unbelievably bored that I couldn't stand it <laughs> the best <laughs> things come like, from boredom yes <laughs> Yes. Um, so I was like, let me just, let's just do it. And here we are. That's awesome. Like mm-hmm. I tuned in. I think like one of the first episodes that I listened to was about like Henry VIII and like his w- wives. And then at one point you were like giving like all these like cool facts, like facts I like sometimes didn't know. And then like at one point you were like, yeah, so he did this, which I don't know, but okay. <laughs> and I like, <laughs> I was like, this is like the friend you want next to you in class. Aka, like that's why I think like Austin, you and I are like honorary best friends now because I I need like the snark and like hilarious commentary. Like it just adds <laughs> to everything. So I I'm obsessed. I really like your show. Really? Um, oh, because I literally whenever I listen to um season one, I literally cringe because yeah. I was recording with my like phone or whatever, and it sounded like the bottom of the barrel and. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'll just keep it there so I can remember where I came from. But <laughs> it was just awful. <laughs> like mine and Sophia's for a few episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. I recorded it I, sitting on the on an air mattress in my mom's spare bedroom. <laughs> yes, yes. I literally like. Oh, I had went like I had a walk-in closet in my old apartment, and I was just like turned off all the lights, and I was sitting there and doing it. And I was like, this is terrible. So my husband <laughs> finally got me a like a little professional looking like microphone or whatever. Oh, you guys can't see it, whatever. And um, now things sound significantly better. And then Audacity helps as well. I don't know what you guys used to edit, but Audacity is a gift. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, another thing I wanted to ask, like how much reading goes into like your podcast? Because you, you deliver all these awesome facts. And I'm like wondering, like, do you ever like finish an episode and you're like, I need like three historical fictions about like this person right now. Like, is it like an endless cycle? So actually the way I, I pick an episode is, um, so I text all of my family and friends and I'm like, look, I'm doing my season, pick somebody. And that's literally how I pick most of the people. Like my mom picked a lot of like the episodes or my husband picked a lot of the episodes and I just do research on it. Um, so what I usually do is sometimes I have prior knowledge, but sometimes even though you have prior knowledge, you just need to make sure it's accurate. So yeah. you just kind of, um, 
do research on what you know, and then you just look at like multiple sources because sometimes sources here will have more information. And so you just kind of culminate it together and then you just really make it your own. Um, so that's usually how I do like the research. Um, and then sometimes I'll have like old college professors, which are really nice. And they'll like, let me talk to them about my ideas or, or something like that. Like I did Elizabeth the uh, first or whatever. And I talked to my old mentor back in undergrad and I was like, I don't know what I'm talking to. <laughs> and uh, and she was like, yeah, talk to this professor here and blah, blah, blah. And it was just so helpful. And you leverage the people that you you know. And just like the whole Instagram um, history podcast community is just like awesome. And then you can like really bounce ideas off of them or or little ideas. like, And it's really helpful. God, that's amazing. Out of all the episodes you've done so far, have you found like any topics you found your favorite? Or ones that have been like I, enlightening. I love everything. Um, Tudor. I love everything Henry VIII. So like the episode you mentioned is literally my favorite, even though the audio is awful. It's what? literally my favorite because it has to be the most plane crash type of life I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> but um, it's just awful. And I think, and I'm sorry, Austin. What was the second part of your question? Just what your favorite topics were, like what, which oh. ones you learned the most about, like which ones you found the most interesting? Um, I think the most interesting was when I was doing, I think the episode before the one I just posted was um, J. Marion Sims about um, him. He was like the father of gynecology and it's like, oh yeah, you're great. Like you've held women, you know, down there. But, you know, his whole everything was just wrought and just, awfulness like and if you don't know who j marion simpson is is like he literally experimented on slave women without any anesthesia at all and they're sitting on his table like screaming bloody mary and he's just like oh all right okay and i'm just like like another doctor we were just talking about yeah who's that dr mick yes (laughs) (laughs) we just talked about him what's good with me oh i actually compare him to Dr. Mangalay in the podcast because I was like, Where, what's the difference? And I'm like, I'm sure Mangalay thought to himself, like, oh, let me just inflict this torture so I can find something good. But I'm sure, sh- well, actually, let me take that back because I think he just inflicted torture just to Yeah, I don't torture. think he had any purpose in any of the experiments. Yeah. He just did it because he, he could. Any- yeah. And then that's what I was thinking with uh, Dr. Sims because it was like he, he also experimented on white women, but he used anesthesia. That's so wrong. So it's like, it's like, what? So I compared it to him because it was like, you're doing these awful things. You know they're awful. And you don't care. So, I mean, you weren't on the scale as Joseph Megala, but you're doing, like, the same thing. Yeah. So An interesting um, season of content could be, like, the biggest monsters of history. I was just thinking. Oh, what? Oh, That's what? actually a really good idea. My husband, you, you and my husband, like, are here. Because he literally <laughs> said, you... I like how you do it now where you just like pick random people, but why don't you do a season where you like literally have like a theme? And I was like, what? That's a good idea. That is a strangely very good idea. And I, <laughs> I must consider that because that's really good. Yeah. I'm going to throw my 10 cents in and, and also say that I would love to see more about like the medical ethics throughout history, because like all that stuff about like asylums and like hysteric and like, 
it's just so it's so wild and I feel like we don't talk about it a lot but like there's so much there that's like disturbing because I think again like the ethics grew with the science and I feel like people use like the cloak of science to get away with a lot of sh- like sorry shady things <laughs> don't forget Sophia I know how to put beeps in the episodes now so you can spread your oh, first yes. <laughs> Frank's red hot sauce, like bleep over over me. <laughs> like it's just awful. Like it's just awful. And you know, it's so disturbing too because I think like in this day and age, usually we encounter like healthcare professionals who really care about you for the most part. We know medical racism is real and sexism, but like it, it's just like this thing of like you assume that they're out to help you and you assume that they're like going to be using and then like reading about things like that, you're always like what is wrong with people? Like, do not give evil people a scalpel. Don't do it. Like, don't give them anything. <laughs> because I, I, that's so true. Because um, there's so many people throughout history who have used their platform for just straight up evil. And I think literally, you cannot have any evil intent at all in yeah. medicine. But there's so many people who are just evil. Yeah. And it's like, freaking how many serial killers have been in medicine that we'll never know about because and even with um i mentioned this in one of my other episodes about um maternity um like infant maternity especially in uh, communities of color how um i mentioned serena williams and how she literally told her doctor like i don't feel right something is wrong and the doctor was like no whatever and then she was like no do it now and they found something that was literally life-threatening. And if they didn't found, find it, Serena would have died. And I'm like, you, and I always say this all the time, like, as a woman, you have to be like, oh, you're going to fix whatever this is. Yeah. I know my body, find it, or I'll find another doctor. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> and men too, like, you know, men sometimes, um, I, I don't know if you see this a lot of times, Austin, but I've talked to men where they're like, oh, and I'm like, um, you got to get like prostate exams, blah, blah. And they're like, well, I don't want no man down there. Do, do, do. And I'm like, and I'm like, no, <laughs> you can't, are we going to let masculinity and your fragile ego, like <laughs> take your whole life? Like, come on. Like you have to fight for yourself. It doesn't really matter. Like do it. <gasps> Sophia disappeared. <gasps> oh, making a really weird face. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if the people at home can't see, but our Skype background is us sitting on like a stone bench out in the forest, and Sophia is totally vanished. I can tell that he's <laughs> really excited for this like recording because he broke out all the big stops. Like, not every guest gets like this like ancient Roman amphitheater vibe. Oh, I didn't choose. I didn't choose this background. I thought one of you guys did. No, no. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know where this came from. <laughs> so I randomly decided we yeah, needed to live. I thought you were doing like that kind of, you know, when you go to a Zoom call and somebody has like a weird background in the. Yeah. And that's what I yeah, thought I you didn't, were I didn't doing. even know. Uh, I didn't know Skype could do this. Oh my god! So none of us. I wonder if I did it then. Did I? We'll have to. We'll have to take a screenshot and post <laughs> so people can see. Right, what we're doing. <laughs> so fun. Maybe it was me, you guys. Maybe like. What is this? <laughs> oh. ah! <laughs> I like this background is nice. I feel like we're in like Santorini or something. Santorini, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. look at the little water at the bottom. Okay, yes. <laughs> Whoever made this change, keep it. 
This is perfect visual comedy for people who can't see it. <laughs> Everyone at home is like, what's wrong with these guys? Um, <laughs> We're at the beach. Thanks. <laughs> state of mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you all day about things because I'm just like, tell me, every, like, what's your, what's your like top five, like favorite like, I, I was going to say Tudor England books, but any historical fiction. Like, do you have, like, okay. a go-to list you recommend to people? Um. Oh, my God. Let me make sure. Let me look up her last name. Make sure I'm having... I think her name's, like, Philippa Gregory or something. Yes, it is right. Philippa oh, Gregory. Philippa Gregory? Yeah. Yeah, she does, like, all the, uh, like, the other bullying girl and, like, all, like, the fiction about... Literally, all her books... So oh, they do it for me. But the other bullying girl, I have read it because, like, oh... So my mom has a thing where if the book, the movie has a book, you have to read the book first before you can watch the movie. Yeah. That's my mom's thing. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? I I mean, the other bullying girl came out in like the early 2000s. And I don't think my mom was going to let me read about, you know, sex <laughs> books. So, so I decided to like read it later on. And it was so good. Like she has a, a like her writing style is so different. And then she has like all these movies that are about or TV shows that are based like, on yeah, books, a couple series. Like White I like... Yeah, which are really good. I, I you I, know, they're really good. I got the book version of it. I haven't read it yet, but yeah, the, the, they're really good. And then also the reason why I like Game of Thrones so much was because it was based on like War of Roses, I believe. I think. Oh, my God. oh um, I could go on and on about the Wars of the Roses. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, uh, I just love anything. Um, let me think of what I have on my um Sophia knows my love of Richard the Third. As soon as she said that, I was like, Great, I've been replaced as Austin's best friend. So <laughs> it's over. Richard the Third was know... the last was the last York King before the Tudors. There Wait, wasn't Richard the Third also the one that was like found in a parking lot? Yes. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> Sophia, do you know that story? Okay, I only know it because Austin came into class and was like, oh my gosh, something happened. (laughs) (laughs) Big news, Sophia, big news. (laughs) I found Richard III in a parking lot. (laughs) 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 Uh, I saw like a documentary on that and I was like, and I was so intrigued. I was like, where is he? Where is he? (laughs) And then they just started digging up this parking lot. I mean, this parking lot. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, what? I thought that was so interesting. Is that or documentaries on um, the Tudors? I saw this one documentary where they literally talked about how Henry VIII's like fat diabetes and girth caused him like go around and like murder people. Because <laughs> they were like, okay, so for those of you who don't know, like Henry VIII, he like falls from this horse because he's jousting. He like busts his leg up and the leg is disgusting. And then he can't like go around and dance and run and walk. So he just gets like diabetic and fat. So in the midst of him, oh, and he had a traumatic brain injury too when he fell off the horse. So, but once he falls off this horse and his legs are smelling like crap, he like goes crazy. And that's when he like starts killing everybody, their mama and all that kind of stuff. So they were all about like, (laughs) how his fatness and his diabetes and this traumatic brain injury literally made him like wild. <laughs> See, I did not know that. I, I always thought that like, I remember it, like, I think the focus on the mo- most of the things I read was like, oh yeah, like he got mad at everyone for not having like a, a son, like an heir, but like, 
I think like everyone thinks it was like his problem because it was actually like all his partners were like, okay, like whatever, like I guess it's me. And then it happens again. And then it happens like seven more times. Right. And I don't know why each wife was like, you know what? He's not going to kill me. <laughs> it's not going to be me. <laughs> it's going to be some other girl. It's not going to be me. And I'm like, if he, after the third one, I would have been like, yeah, no, <laughs> don't ever come near me ever. But I think his last wife was actually did not want to marry him at all. Um, I think she was, um, divorce me, had to die, divorce me. Catherine Parr. Okay. Um, that's how. Poland's cousin. Someone was related to Amber. Right? Uh, one of them was a uh, Catherine Howard, I think. Don't quote me. Oh, yeah. I think it was, and then they were all like some of them were related, Catherine Howard and the Boleyns, and then um, Catherine Parr was named after Henry's first wife. Oh. So like cringe, yeah, that's utter awkward. cringe. <laughs> that's awkward. That's awkward. Mm-hmm. But the last wife, I didn't think want to marry him at all because I think she was kind of. Like, if I marry him, there's a possibility I could die. And at one point, he was going to kill her. Oh. At one point. Oh, my God. And then she was like, oh, she, um, he was talking about, like, religion and stuff. And she was yeah. like, we should do this with religion. We should do that. And then he imprisoned her. And then he was like, don't ever question my decisions again. Because Anne Boleyn did that. And look where she is now. Like, try me. And she was like, no, I would never do that, ever. You're, like, the best king on earth. Oh. And he was like, oh, for real? Okay, I'm sorry. Come on out. <laughs> but I would have been like, um, no. After wife number three, I would have been like, no, there's a curse here. No, Got it. No, thank Got you. No. Nope. And it's an instant no. I always wonder, mm-hmm. too, when they talk about, like, which which of the wives were graceful when, like, they were approaching the guillotine and which ones weren't in, like, what they said. And, like, they have, like, Anne Boleyn, like, is saying, like, yes, like, um, like, she was so agreeable. She was like, yep, if that's what he wants, like, that must be right. And I was like, are you, uh, like, are you sure that, like, whoever was writing that down wasn't like, uh, I don't think he wants to hear that. So I'm just going to say, <laughs> like, it just seems so unreal to me. Yeah. Billy, have you read the Wars of the Roses historical fiction series by Con Eagleden? No. It is very, very Tell good. Tell me all about them. <laughs> it's a four-part series. It starts about 10 years before the Wars of the Roses. It starts with Henry the Sixth, and it ends with Henry the Seventh. And it goes through like okay. all the, the York and the Lancaster conflict. It spans about 30 years. It's really good. That's awesome. Sophia yes, and I did a please. book trade a couple weeks ago. I almost made her read all four books in that series, but... No, no, I love stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely recommend that. The series is called The Wars of the Roses. It's four parts by Con Eagleden. I think Mm -hmm. the first part is called Stormbird. Stormbird. Okay. I think it goes Stormbird, Trinity, Bloodlines, Raven, Spur. So yeah, I'd I'd definitely look into that one. Oh, yeah, okay, I see it, I see it. Okay, let me screenshot this so I can... I just need to make a big list of things there's so maybe much we could book club that one down the line hint hint excuse me <laughs> we should because i felt like i was sitting here i was like i was thinking of all these like romance books and blah 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 and i was like hmm, what if austin doesn't want to read any of this crap like <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, I let's do it i love stuff like that like and i like to hear other people's takeaways because when i'm reading a book i sometimes don't get to ask about what other people think and stuff and different perspectives. So that's what I, I love. Guess. Yeah. 
I loved like talking to you guys about like the tattooist of Auschwitz as well because like it's like either like a happy book or a sad book you always just want to talk to someone about it and like see what they're thinking about so like I'm just happy that we got the chance to kind of come together and especially like in history too I hope that like the next one we choose is like a little bit lighter when it's like farther removed so right. be like wow it's so like hilarious that this guy like you know lost a couple wives this way um it's not <laughs> I think it's so far removed that you're like okay like it just seems so unreal. Sophie I can't wait for our Caligula episode because you're gonna have none of those wishes fulfilled oh my god Caligula I adore him did you know his name is um his little name means little boots and that's not his actual name. I forgot what his actual name was. He was Gaius wild. Julius Caesar. Thank you. Germanicus. Thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, you guys his know his name was so. like Little Boots. <laughs> 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 he was crazy. I remember I had to write a paper about him in undergrad. And he like made us horse like a... No, was that Nero? Anyway, it was... No, so that was Caligula. All right, good. That made us horse like a senator, oh. and and uh, that that's actually a myth. Ooh. It is. Yes, oh, it was a. Uh, it was this me. like, it was just kind of something he said because he disrespected the Senate so much that he could make a horse a senator, and that's a little the the Senate mattered. Hmm. Really, I really he didn't actually was, like, follow no. through. Okay, oh. which is the there was some other. Oh, sorry, Sophia. Go no, ahead. Okay, I was gonna say that I don't know if it, I always get Nero and Caligula confused because they're just always just awful. So tell me which one this is. But um, one of them, I feel like it was Nero. He had gone crazy at this point, and he had seen this guy who had like you know, he was like you know uh, a heterosexual man, but he had like feminine features, which is common. And he was like, he was like, hmm you're for me and then he like made him turn into a woman he emasculated him turn him like he like made him be like a whole woman and then he dies Caligula or Nero one of the two that was and Nero then, thank you and then Nero dies and then this man woman forced to be woman he like gets assassinated or something <laughs> and I was just like this man's whole life it was awful yes. Imperial Rome was, was crazy <laughs> I just Crazy. read a book that talked about this. That's exactly what I was thinking of, too. Really? I, I read this book. It was so wild. It's really interesting. If you like history, like, I thought it was really a cool take on it. But it's called The 13 Worst Breakups of History. And it goes <laughs> through, like, all these things. And it is so, like, hilarious and, like, terrible. It goes through, like, the Borgias. It goes through, like, um, King Henry VIII. And then it talks about this one as well. And it was, like, devastating. Like, after this happened, like, the next emperor wanted him to be his wife. And then, like, this person, like, finally, like, uh, eventually he just, like, ended up killing himself because he was, like, forget it. Like, it just keeps getting worse. I'm not. <laughs> it can't like, get any worse than this. Oh I think God. the part about the next emperor wanting to marry him is yeah. also probably a myth. I don't know. But I, the thing is, it's believable. Yeah, <laughs> it's the thing. thing. It's believable. You just can't tell. And, like... They were saying, too, that, like, I guess Nero styled him after, like, one of his wives that he had killed or something. And yeah. so like, I was like, that's, like, that's awful, but whatever. I, we won't get into that. Save <laughs> yeah, that for a future crazy. episode. <laughs> <laughs> when we're, we were on the topic of monsters of history. I'm sure Nero would probably fit into that mold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
most definitely oh speaking of borgias did you guys ever see the borgias on uh netflix well it was on hbo at first but it was on like netflix now i want to see it so badly they're fascinating like to me anything about the history of like the vatican or the popes like there's Mm -hmm. so much like sordid i feel like i can say this i'm a catholic like there's such a bad history like so much corruption you're catholic yes i have a question for you i have a question for you (laughs) okay so in my last episode i did a whole episode on saint francis right yes of assisi okay Right. So I went out, what I was saying in the episode was that I had worked in a, a, a Catholic school called St. Anthony's. Okay. And I had never, I've only been in like a Catholic church for funerals. Mm-hmm. And I was walking down the steps one day and I felt something behind me. And I'm like, what the heck? What the heck? It was Jesus. And I was like, all right, great. You scared me, but all right. <laughs> I love you. So when, but there's also like a place where um, you could put your knees down on it. Yeah. And but there's Jesus in front of like you. So I always want to ask somebody who's Catholic, like what what does it do for you, like your faith or or something like that to like actually see Jesus there while you're like kneeling down in front of him? Like what is that actually called? Like the device or that kneeling chair? The altar? Like that might be what we're talking about. Um, Okay, maybe that's it. Definitely what I would consider a quote unquote bad Catholic. Um thing like there's the baptisms the confirmation stuff like that um but I think what you're talking about is the altar like the thing at the front of the church like not where the priest stands when he's like delivering mass but like the center oh that- no actually this little thing was like out in like a closet corner thing but that still might be an altar because they were like kneeling mm-hmm. in front of it confessional no because they had a confessional there but it was like in this closet and you could go in there and you could pray um you would just kneel down in front of like there was a picture of jesus um but i just i just never knew what that little it was called god i don't know either (laughs) now i'm gonna investigate i'm gonna have to find a picture of it i'll ask my abuela she'll know she'll know okay (gasps) are you latina yeah (laughs) (laughs) where are you from um, well, I'm I'm half, so my mom came to Canada from Ireland, and my dad is from El Salvador. Oh, awesome, awesome. My, my grandmother is from, um, she immigrated here in the 50s from Puerto Rico. Oh my God, that's awesome. I know, so when I watch In the Heights, I'm like, oh, yes, In the Heights. I'm like, yes. So um, I like how we're not talking about this no. book at all, <laughs> and that's okay. I don't mind at all. I really don't. And I also have anxiety when I when I'm on a call like this with somebody because I always feel so anxious when I cut someone off because in yeah. my mind I'm like they're gonna hate me for the rest of life. That's <laughs> mine and Sophia's thing that we do every episode. Austin and I like every day we talk over each other and we do like the Canadian standoff where we're like, no, you go, no, you go, no, no. <laughs> but see, that's odd because when um you interrupt somebody i'm like oh you go ahead because i interrupt you but you guys always let me talk and i'm like is this a cultural thing because this is this is odd because <laughs> you guys are always like yeah you go ahead and i'm like should i tell them to go ahead then <laughs> no please don't then it'll never end truly it won't okay i'm gonna have to do it next time and just see where we go because this is definitely different and you guys have like the cutest accents i think <laughs> 
were like, we went on with um, our other friends from this other book podcast, and they're so sweet. And we were, they're from America. And we were like, oh, yeah, like, I don't think we have accents. And they were like, oh, you guys definitely have accents. <laughs> Listening back, I can hear it. It's really bad. I, I say a boat a lot. <laughs> you do? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm sitting here like, oh, the accents are so cute. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so funny. Yeah. But yeah, this has been phenomenal. I actually have to go. Um, I <laughs> think I do too. <laughs> okay, we play like this double date and then my husband like oh. is calling me during this podcast and I'm oh like, please God. don't ever think about it. No, 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 no. I don't have to get ready for a little bit. But he was okay. like, they're coming to pick us up at 3.30 and I'm looking at the clock and it's 2.56. <laughs> but I see I have put makeup on for the podcast. So, I mean, for our, our book club. So... That's great. No. <laughs> this means we'll have to have you on again in the future. Yeah, we have yes, so much more to talk about. So, uh, see, accent about about. <laughs> I'm, I'm caught red-handed. So like, yeah, about. I can't even say it right. Whatever. <laughs> like you guys a boat, like us. in the background, like in the background of the Skype thing, a boat. <laughs> it's funny because you yeah, have okay. a robot voice, Austin. <laughs> I do have a robot Let me voice. Go down. In history, by saying that Canada is better than us, so it's fine. Can you guys, you know, yes, you guys, you have Justin Trudeau first, second, the free health care. Hello, we try. It's I mean, been kind of debatable the last couple of weeks. We won't get into that. Yeah, we will. We'll see that for your episode. We'll talk about controversial Canadian things. I just, you just said it too, Sophia. A boat. Did I say it? A, a boat. <laughs> a boat. That. This was awesome. It really was. So great. Thank I you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for chatting. It was really fun. Thank you. I had such a good time in Santorini. And this is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so nice to fly you out here to the, to the beautiful LC. beach. <laughs> yes. In Greece, where oh Greek mythology. So thank you for my for my trip here as I go and do <laughs> historical things as I go swim Amazing. away. <laughs> Excellent exit. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, you guys. We'll see you. Talk to you guys later. All right. Bye.